0: Today on the Ag News Daily Podcast.
1: The export market had been so phenomenal, and that's what pushed that
0: market price higher. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is June 5th, 2017. I am Mike Pearson, co-host of the Ag News Daily Podcast, along with Delaney Howell. And Delaney, how are you doing on this beautiful summer's day?
2: I am not too bad, Mike. I went home over the weekend, so it was nice to see the family.
0: Well, good. Anything uh, exciting happening at home?
2: Oh, well, Dad wanted me to share this story, but uh, yesterday he was working on, well, it was about 9.45. I think I was up but not out of bed yet, but he came into the house and asked my little brother to help him scoop out the feed wagon because it wasn't working and didn't get finished scooping it out because it was broken until about 3:45. So they worked on it all day long. Oof! Wow. Yeah, they just had a lot of buildup and something—I don't even remember what exactly—ended up being wrong with it. But they finally got the fed the cows fed about. 3.30 or 4, I'm guessing, yesterday afternoon.
0: You know, and cattle are kind of impatient when it comes time mm-hmm. to feed, and you're a little bit late, and they start to moo at you. And...
2: Yeah. Well, luckily, it was pretty hot yesterday, so they all seemed to be okay until then.
0: True, true. They probably weren't too too hungry, given that it was, you know, pushing 100 degrees and mm-hmm. 80% humidity. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. I started getting some hay cut yesterday, so making some progress. Good. Got uh, got everything working, so that's it's nice. It's a good time of year. The first part of summer is beautiful Mm -hmm. before it gets too hot.
2: It's been pretty warm, though, lately.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. It has been. But, you know, today's beautiful. It's like 80 degrees. It's not very humid. Today is ideal. Let's see. You got any news for us, Delaney?
2: I do have some news. Today, Secretary Perdue will be making his first international trip as the US Secretary of Agriculture and he is heading to Canada to talk trade with the Canadian Minister of Agriculture and talking more specifically agriculture trade.
0: All right, when was that meeting or when is that meeting supposed to happen?
2: It just says he's heading there today and I'm sure we'll we'll find out what he discussed while he was there. He's also going to participate in the 10th anniversary Conference of the Southeastern United States Canadian Provinces Alliance.
0: The Southeastern United States Canadian. That doesn't make any sense.
2: Provinces Alliance.
0: So it's alliances between like Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, and Canadian provinces?
2: (laughs) Yes, I think so.
0: Okay. All right. No, that makes sense. That's good. Well, that'll be interesting. Mm hmm. In uh, legal news today, we've got actually quite a bit of legal news. I'll kick it off here. So today is the first day of the 5.7 billion defamation uh, 5.7 billion dollar defamation lawsuit against ABC from um, Beef Products Incorporated of uh, of Sioux Falls, and uh, so the jury's been selected. They are going to trial because ABC called lean finely textured beef pink slime. And then also made errors and omissions in their reporting. And this all happened back in 2012. And now it is finally, finally going to court. And here's a quote from the attorney for BPI. He says that success, the success of uh, lean, finely textured beef took about 30 years to succeed. And it took ABC less than 30 days to severely damage the company. So we will see how huh. this all plays out. I'm sure we will. Uh, there will be plenty of reportage on this case because it is the largest media defamation case in American history.
2: Really? That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Huh. Now you have some legal news for us, don't you, Delaney? I
2: do. I do. Today is also the first day for the lawsuit on deck against Syngenta. Um, and, and this is a group of about 7,000 farmers from Kansas Coming together against Syngenta, saying that a trait they released in I believe right before the t- growing season for 2011, this trait was called MIR162, and it was a genetically modified corn seed trait that China had not yet approved before Syngenta released this trait, and so a lot of farmers are coming have have been coming together and saying, hey, this isn't fair. This was not approved yet. This has affected our profits for that year and I think I read somewhere it was uh, theoretically going to bring between five and seven billion dollars for those farmers in Kansas and then another case regarding the same issue is coming starting here July 10th um, and that's about 60,000 cases oh wow yeah, it's a big deal.
0: It is a big deal. And, uh, you know, however this case plays out, I'm glad it is finally going to court because I've been kind of sick of getting the... All these attorneys were sending out postcards saying, join mm-hmm. the Syngenta lawsuit. And, you know, that's just... That's a pile of mail that just kind of kept collecting. Right. Now, now that'll stop. We'll see how the case gets decided. But at least I won't be getting any more postcards.
2: Yeah, and this is all kind of in lieu of the... 43 billion dollar uh kim china deal too so
0: gotcha right that was it was this that kind of prompted uh, a lot of the consideration for syngenta selling mm-hmm. yeah true Let's see. We've got some international legal news. The U.S. and Mexico have agreed to a deal on the sugar industry. Basically, they've come to an agreement to uh, stop or at least uh, recover some of the damages from Mexican dumping of sugar here in this country. and. The deal was hammered out today, so the two sources reported by Reuters spoke on the condition of anonymity. And so as of right now, they are working out the very final deals, but it sounds like the big spectrum has been agreed. And this deal would allow uh, Mexico to avoid potentially, potentially inflammatory tariffs that would have kicked in if a deal wasn't reached. And it clears this sugar issue out of the way before NAFTA starts to get renegotiated. Now, not everybody's in love with this deal. In fact, a lot of, uh, of powerful folks, the Fanjul family, Imperial Sugar, uh, U.S. Cane and, and beet growers, all of these folks aren't necessarily thrilled with it because my understanding is they don't believe it, it punishes Mexico enough for dumping, but at least it's, at least it's a solution. And today the, uh, Domestic raw sugar futures for July delivery finished down 2.9 cents. They closed at 27.66 cents per pound. It was the largest one-day loss in over a mm. year. So that deal, we'll get the specs on it uh, here. I imagine over the next two or three days, but it has been hammered out, uh, you know, quietly in DC.
2: Do they market sugar cane or sugar by the tonnage? Yes. Okay. Yep. I wasn't for sure
0: on that. Yeah, or or it's by the pound. Uh, oh, okay. So it's probably metric ton in Mexico, mm, and it's probably okay. by the. Yeah, that's a really good question, Delaney. I don't I don't work much with sugar. I know um, I don't either. You know, let me, uh, you report your news. Let me take a closer look, and I'll get <laughs> I'll get an answer for you.
2: Okay, thank you. We have been talking a lot about Cuba. Cuba has been in the news a lot lately because of a rollback on Cuban policies that President Trump has tried to push through. A senator last week introduced a new bill. But NAFB News Service, which is the National Association for Farm Broadcasters, which Ag News Daily is a member of, reported today that a recent study says any rollback of Obama-era moves to normalize relations with Cuba will harm U.S. agriculture. The study shows that any new regulations on exporting agricultural commodities to Cuba could cost one point five billion dollars and affect twenty two hundred US jobs. And that is on the top that is on top of the estimated six point six billion dollar economic impact and almost thirteen thousand jobs on the line if President Trump changes provisions to President Barack Obama's um what what president barack obama did in office in regards to cuba so a lot of jobs and a lot of money at stake if president trump decides to roll back you know the the uh cuban american laws that president obama put into
0: place and yeah that's it so much has been so much excitement has been generated But, of course, Mm -hmm. that's also been tempered by a lot of the folks, particularly those Cubans who fled after Castro stole their property. Uh, You know, they're not thrilled to see us, you know, working with a regime that is still in power through, you know, basically dictatorship uh, down there in Cuba. So it is a tough battle. And, yeah, I guess uh, if you need Cuban cigars for anything, go get them soon because we (laughs) might not have access to them once again.
2: Right. Yeah, he might close... um... Travel to Cuba again.
0: Okay. All right. In other news, globally, there has been a bit of a row in the Middle East. Shocking, I know, that they are they're fighting over there. But uh, Saudi Arabia and a lot of its allies, in fact, including Israel, um, have cut ties with Qatar, which is just the tiny little thumb on the Arabian mm-hmm. Peninsula out there. And um, basically... They're, uh, they've accused Qatar of uh, supporting extremism. And depending on your political views, that's kind of ironic that Saudi Arabia is accusing Q- the Qataris of supporting extremism. But um, these... This issue, however it gets resolved, is important for those of us in the markets because Qatar is one of the largest exporters of liquefied natural gas, which is a market that the United States is trying to enter, given our massive glut of natural gas thanks to fracking. So we're seeing concerns spill over. didn't affect the oil market today, but uh, did affect uh, natural gas. And who knows where it could go from here because once things, you know, you kind of light that powder keg over there, they... uh, they can kind of uh, get a little out of hand in the Middle East. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's actually pronounced "cutter."
0: Cutter, no, you're exactly right, Delaney. It is. Yeah, cutter. yeah, yes, I learned that in you.
2: college because I thought it was Qatar too until uh, I had an international class where we learned the correct pronunciation. And We also learned—I don't know if you know this, Mike—but it is the um, wealthiest country in the U.S. or in the in the world,
0: like on a per capita basis.
2: I believe so, yes.
0: Makes sense. they got a pile of fossil fuels under, mm-hmm. their, under their sand.
2: They
0: do. Yeah, Cutter. That's right.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a that's lot of how. people know that. So. No,
0: I, I, in fact, I did learn that. I believe it was watching House of Cards. I think they had oh, something really? about Cutter. And I was like, what the heck are they talking about? I was like, oh, it's Qatar. Oh, it's Cutter. Look at me. I'm learning. <laughs> so now I can uh, write off Netflix as uh, an education expense.
2: All right, good. Nice.
0: Yeah. So, Delaney, do you have any other news for
2: us? <laughs> I just had one other quick mention, because we do talk about it with our interview today for today, Naomi Bloom. Um, exports are up for the 11th straight month in U.S. milk production, which I thought was really interesting what was going on in Wisconsin, the Wisconsin-Canadian dairy issue. Yeah. And, you know, we're still up. For the 11th straight month, Um, cheese exports were up 27% in April. Um, Milk powder, cheese, butter, fat, whey, and lactose were up 12%. And we're seeing a lot of strong exports for milk. You know, even with what happened in Canada, we have Mexico, other countries that still say they need and want uh, u.s milk china is also another big importer of u.s milk and dairy products which i didn't realize that i i'm just really surprised by that because of the perishability with milk
0: yeah and my understanding is a lot of the milk that canada and uh, the countries over there in asia purchase tends to be of the powdered variety
2: mm, that's which right makes sense that. because
0: that's a lot easier to ship and put it on a on a bulk tanker and yeah, I suppose you could also ship wheels of cheese.
2: <laughs> yeah. Cuz I think true. It's,
0: it's like a 10-day or 2-week crossing to get uh, across the Pacific and you got to get it okay. from Wisconsin or New York or California to the port, mm-hmm. get it on the ship, get it unloaded, get it into China. You know, I'm thinking I don't know how I'm trying to think how long is my uh, my expiration date on milk. Usually it's like 10 days or 2 it's weeks. Usually right? yeah, I was going to say yep. So yep. I mean, that'd be pushing it awful close to ship fluid product over, but mm-hmm. you know, they add a little water and boom, powdered milk. There you go. Ugh, yuck. Hey, don't diss it. It's helping, uh, helping drive U.S. dairy sales.
2: I know that it is.
0: Yeah, until we figure out a way, maybe we need a milk pipeline straight to China. Then like we can ship all like the Like an fluid. oil pipeline, exactly. And we all just right. have a couple guys here dumping, you know, gallon jugs of two percent into the pipeline, <laughs> and away we go
2: interesting mike that's quite the idea
0: yeah i'm searching for investors if you're interested <laughs> email me if you have a pile of money and you want to engage in, you know invest it in a harebrained scheme reach out to me at mike at ag News daily. <laughs> I'll at least take daily oh time. goodness
2: yeah nice all right well mike what do we have for closing market prices for today a
0: great question delaney Howe. let's start in the corn pit we'll give the closes right now and then we'll talk to naomi about why they closed that way So with corn the July contract rose a quarter of a cent to finish at three seventy three even December corn up a penny to close at three ninety two in soybeans the July contract up three quarters of a cent finished the day at nine twenty two November beans up two and a half cents finished at nine twenty eight even in wheat the Chicago contract was unchanged for July finished at 429 and a half. The December contract dropped 1 and a quarter cents to finish the day at 463 and 3 quarters. Now let's take a look over at the world of livestock. And we continued our rally in the cattle complex. June live cattle today climbed a dollar twenty seven and a half, closed the day at one hundred thirty two ten. The August contract up fifteen cents, finished at one hundred twenty six twenty. In feeder cattle, August feeders up a dollar fifteen, finished the day at one hundred fifty nine eighty seven and a half. They were up over one hundred sixty for a while, but couldn't quite hold it, sold off there towards the end of the day. The September feeder cattle contract up a dollar fifty two and a half, finished at one hundred fifty nine thirty five. Lean hogs couldn't uh, couldn't match live cattle. The uh, June contract dropped 50 cents, closed at $80.72 and a half. The July contract dropped a dollar 50, closed the day at 80.42 and a half. And in milk, the June Class Three milk contract dropped eight cents, finished at 16.44. Now, as I mentioned, we have a, a fantastic guest joining us today, regular market analyst Naomi Bloom, will give us her thoughts on where things might be headed.
2: We are joined now by one of our regular market analysts here on Ag News Daily, Naomi Naomi Bloom. She is a market analyst for Stuart Peterson up in Wisconsin. Naomi, we haven't had a conversation with a U.S. commodity trader in two weeks now. So do you want to give us a, the rundown on just big things that are going on in the markets?
1: You bet. So we'll start with the grain markets first and foremost, uh, starting with the wheat. What we're hearing is that uh, quality concerns are definitely surfacing out west um, and definitely potentially in the plains. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, The wheat market to me feels like it's really found a bottom. And looking even at the spring wheat contract, that has really got some momentum to it with the July contract accelerating boy, probably 50 cents within a matter of weeks, and it has some potential upside yet towards the $6 futures area for the July uh, Minneapolis suite. So that market is uh, so strong because, of course, acres are down and, and quality is already a concern there. And then switching gears over to the soybean market, last week we had a nice outside hook reversal to show like a short-term bottoming signal. Seasonally, beans start to work higher into the month of uh, June, and July and demand has been fantastic. We have had really good export sales. So beans are due for a nice corrective bounce. And then we'll see what the weather is like heading into later on the summer to know if the corrective bounce is our selling opportunity or if there's actually a concern that might develop um, with that soybean crop, even though we have all those extra acres coming on board. And then lastly, the corn market has done nothing for seven months.
0: Mm-hmm. So we
1: still have that going on for us.
0: Yeah. Now Naomi, I wanted to talk just a little more detail about the soybean market. If we are putting in a, at least a, a bottoming signal here and we do get a nice bounce, I mean call it a what would you expect on a bounce like this? Would you anticipate 10 to 15 cents until we we see what all's going on?
1: Well, right now the July today finished out near the 922 price point level and I'm looking towards a corrected bounce to 950. That gets us almost to a 50% repr retracement from our uh, May high to the early June low that we had here. So 950, though, might be a place where we see a little bit more cash sales happen for those who have any old crop beans in the bin. Um, But, again, the demand is just so strong right now. We might even see a surprise on Friday's USDA report that exports are maybe even a little stronger, or especially what we have to focus on is at the end of the month, the quarterly stocks number that comes out on June 30th, um, there'll be some potential surprises there to show how strong demand truly is right now, even in the reality that we have this large global crop, the world is still coming to the United States for product.
0: Well, and that's the elephant in the room, Naomi, is this massive crop down in South America. If we run up to 950, do you anticipate to see a lot of sales coming out of Brazil and Argentina?
1: I I would say that that's probably the likelihood that we'll definitely see some global Sales pickup, So that's where it would be hard for our market to climb a lot higher than that unless there is new sales coming out of China for new demand for our product. Or even if there's any sort of a weather concern that starts to um, become an issue out there. Some producers are telling me, um, you know, they're wondering if, if the beans maybe won't have uh, the nodes on them that they normally would. And I'm no agronomist by any means. Um, but obviously less nodes means potentially less pods, and that's something that won't show up for a few months yet. But just with as delayed as the crop was getting into the ground, it's becoming you know something that guys are watching and talking about. But in the short term, because the global supply is so good, um, any balance is probably a selling opportunity in the short term until we see what Mother Nature brings us later this summer.
2: Naomi, mean, one of the things I wanted to pick your brain about because I know you have a history in um, global policy. Do you think that we're going to see any implications in the corn or soybean markets because of President Trump pulling out of the Paris Accord?
1: I was watching that and thinking of that, too. Um, I'm not sure is the answer, but there's a part of me that really feels that there are things happening behind the scenes, and I have a quiet Mm -hmm. confidence um, where I think we're going to be just fine, especially with the way that um, the Secretary of Agriculture has a confidence about him in the words that he says and his demeanor. And and when he presents himself in public, it just feels like everything is going to be okay. So, so far, what we've seen from the administration is a lot of um, talk, a lot Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, big agenda items. But yet the reality is that nothing really scary has ultimately happened. And our exports are doing phenomenal. And the dollar is coming down a little bit more and we haven't seen any big um change in that pattern for our corn exports, for our soybean exports, even wheat exports this week were were okay on the export inspections. So it is something to watch and I am I've got alerts set on <laughs> anything Trump related on my mm-hmm. computer and on my phone and everywhere but um I think we're going to be okay. I really do.
0: Now Naomi, with the dollar coming down, we do have the Fed probably, it sounds like going to look at raising rates again, maybe another quarter of a point this month. Do you think we're gonna keep that slide in motion or will a bump in rates cause us to, to plateau?
1: Um I'm looking for more like of a sideways pattern here from now where I could see it go um like the dollar index today finished at like ninety six, seventy seven is where the last is on there. You know, going back down to like ninety-four, ninety-five. And then going into a sideways pattern, because then we got to make sure that the economy is keeping up. Will the feds raise interest rates again or not? Um, so I, I think it'll start to stagnate and plateau. I would agree with that, Mike.
0: Okay.
2: Naomi, I want to jump into the lean hog market here. World Pork Expo is this week, so I kind of want to pick your brain about that. Where do you think we're going to plateau out?
1: Um Looking at this, um, this 80 cent area is, is a pretty big number. So the July contract today finished out at 80.42. Looking at the August month, um, finishing at the 80 level also. This is, I think, a happy equilibrium of prices. The export market had been so phenomenal, and that's what pushed that market price higher. And I was, you know, looking around, a lot of the fast food restaurants this summer are really emphasizing, um, pork in their sandwiches at a lot of the fast food chains. And I thought, well, maybe that's where part of this increased domestic demand came from. Um, but there's plenty supply out there, plentiful supply. And I, I think we're at a top right now and looking for a little bit of a setback but not a big fall off because demand overall is still really good. Um, but one thing that's interesting is that with the, the pork market right now, for the first time in a long time, um, Canada actually overtook the United States as the top North American supplier of pork to China um, for the first quarter of two thousand and seventeen. And that's only happened actually a handful of a couple of times in the past two decades. So it's not that we were like exporting less and less and less. It's just that the demand there is so strong that China's in the game too, or I'm sorry, Canada's in the game too, and they're also exporting to China. So, I view it as a good thing that the demand is so strong. I wonder if it boils down to a currency play at the end where whoever has the better exchange rate maybe gets a little bit more business. But as long as our export market is as strong as it is and domestic demand is strong, I think it keeps the hog prices in a nice, stable state of equilibrium. And we'll probably go into more of a sideways pattern from here as we see what the consumer demand is throughout the summer months.
0: Well, now, stable and sideways might be a pretty decent way to do, uh, define the hog market, but it is not applicable at all to live cattle. Naomi, are we going to keep screaming higher?
1: <laughs> I wish I knew, Mike. I put some hedges <laughs> on a couple of weeks ago thinking that the market had finally topped. We had some technical signals of topping, and I thought, oh, you know, the 4th of July demand is going to be you know, coming, and that's going to be met, and but, you know, it's like the packers are still caught short, and so the producers are bringing those cattle in, and they're still lighter weight um, because they're, you know, rushing in to get those better prices. So where we're at right now is potentially a double top on the marketplace and on charts, but at the same time the fundamental news is still so good and demand is strong that the market has some ability to work a little bit higher, but it's not like it's a supply threat. It's just that the demand is so good right now that – prices are likely to be stable i'm still thinking of rallies as defensive opportunities where you can get cash locked in or start to do something where you're maybe putting puts under the market or something like that but hey demand is great so good
0: for those guys yeah demand is great and my question is you know we've heard a lot from china they're gonna start taking u.s beef again i think we've heard that three times if they actually do start accepting shipments of u.s beef Would that give us another pop because we're actually seeing it happen, or is that a piece of demand info that the markets probably already got priced in?
1: Um, I'm not sure is the answer, because I always was under the assumption that we were backdooring the beef into China through Hong Kong. So what I'm curious to see is if our exports to Hong Kong actually go down and official exports to China go up, and do they offset each other by kind of an equal amount? Or will those exports to Hong Kong stay firm? And in addition, we see exports to China separately grow. So uh, I we have to wait and see. But if, by chance, the Chinese export numbers do come in stronger, then that would be new information to the market. And then I read today, too, that um, that the Chinese, like there's a delegation coming to the United States soon, and there was um, talk that maybe they were going to be opening poultry imports to mm. China again as well. So that might put another layer of um, uh, just things to be watching. I don't think that even if they're going to start importing poultry, it's not the same as like taking away demand for beef. And our U.S. market has clearly seen that, where the demand for beef is phenomenal and people are buying it no matter the cost. So... I think it's just good for the United States in general that we can have more protein that we're exporting and just more demand for feed and get these grain markets going higher because of demand and so you know it's good times and I'm I'm thankful for it.
0: Yeah.
2: Naomi, I wanted also to ask about dairy since that's sort of up in your neck of the woods. I saw on the milkbusiness.com website they reported that milk exports are up for the 11th straight month. And I was kind of surprised by that, what with happened in Wisconsin. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, with what we had, you know, losing to to Canada with that whole fiasco there, um, but it's our overseas with Mexico and South Korea and even into China with all of the dairy demand there, uh, the protein market in general is on fire. So that, of course, leads to the dairy markets. So I'm always cautious about it because, you know, we have Oceana that's always there, ready to pick up the pace or pick up the pieces when they can, but for now it's great, and that's what's keeping the milk price higher. It truly mm-hmm. is the, the demand and the exports number there. So, you know, in years past, we saw where we would say to people, supply is good, supply is amazing, this is not like we have a lack of supply, It's it's demand, so if the mm-hmm. demand ever goes away, watch out. And so I'm starting to... Think more of that mindset where this is good. We've got profitable points on milk. Producers are making money again. But just keep an eye on the export demand because if that falters in any way, you could see the market set back a little bit just because of the supply disruption. Or I should say the supply, um, uh, too much supply. We yeah. have a lot of supply right now. Is what I'm trying to say. Sorry right. about that.
2: Would you Would you have any advice then for dairy producers as we're seeing this overabundant supply?
1: Um, I would say we'll just keep an eye on it every day. Right now, we don't really have anything um, too much to say that it's like a, a topping, topping, topping thing where the market mm-hmm. would fall out of bed. Um, but be aware of it. If if we, uh, you could run stops under the market. So what that means is that if the charts should turn negative, you have a point where you know you're going to sell in um, if if things fall apart. And you can do those things even with your milk plant. And you can use, of course, a broker to do that as well. But so far, things look good, so enjoy it for now.
0: Naomi, there was a study done, and uh, the graph of it was floating around on Twitter, and it was the top misspelled words by state. Did you happen to see this?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but I heard about it on the radio.
0: Yeah, so in Wisconsin, and you are the native Wisconsinian, the top misspelled word in Wisconsin was Wisconsin shut up was yeah, it really it was according to this survey on the internet so it has to be true that was it the... spelled b-e-e-r that spelled it? <laughs> oh i just wanted to make sure that you're comfortable spelling wisconsin right
1: yeah, I think mean, I can handle it. Yeah, right. do you want me to do a test run for you or anything? No, <laughs> no, we not trust that you. one down. It's it's after lunch
0: in Wisconsin. We don't uh, we don't expect you to be on top of spelling after lunch. <laughs> Beer and cheese, and, you know. <laughs> Um, do you have any final thoughts for us? What should people be thinking as we get into this week? I know some folks are out there. They're, uh, they're replanting. I've got my neighbor out here side-dressing some corn. You know, hay season's getting into full swing. What's, what's a big-picture thing we need to keep on the top of our mind in this week?
1: Um, primarily the USDA report. That's out on Friday. Um, so that's the regular monthly supply and demand report where the USDA can tweak yield. Usually they don't really do much for yield in the month of June, but because the weekly crop progress report rating was the worst start we had in 20 years I'm very curious to see if they lower yield on Friday's report at the get-go or if they're going to wait. Also I want to keep an eye on that report as far as the demand categories for exports primarily. I'm curious about the crush numbers for soybeans, but really the exports are what I'm watching for. And Friday's report, I think, sets the tone. I think it's going to be the final catalyst to maybe get this corn market out of its range. It might provide friendlier news for soybeans to get that market pushed higher. If we see, adding stocks for wheat come down, finally that would be the catalyst for the wheat market to push higher as well. So Friday's a big day, and then, of course, seasonally, the month of June is when a lot of times the market can push higher, but the funds have just needed something to poke their bums to get that marketplace working up so they can cover their short positions and become buyers of the market. So Friday is the day.
0: Friday at 11 o'clock, those reports come out, right? Central time. Yes, that's correct. All right, Naomi. Well, we will keep our eyes out for USDA reports on Friday. And in the meantime, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and uh, wish you a great week up there.
1: Well, thank you. Same to you guys. It's always a pleasure.
2: Again that was one of our regular market analysts Naomi Bloom. She really is a sharp woman, Mike, isn't she?
0: She is. She's sharp, but she doesn't speak in a way that makes you feel stupid. Yeah, she explains that's things true. in a way that make a lot of sense. It uh, I always enjoy my conversations with Naomi. Mhm, me too. And she is, as you mentioned, uh, she is with Stuart Peterson up there in Wisconsin. So if you want to hear more from her, you can find her on Twitter at Naomi Bloom, or you can uh, call up there. And next time she's on, we'll make sure we get her contact info.
2: Yeah, good idea, Mike.
0: So, Delaney, what do we have going on the rest of the week?
2: well tomorrow i think we're still working on lining up an interview but the rest of the week we have a ton of great things that we will be covering at the world pork expo so if you're going to be around feel free to shoot us an email shoot us a text shoot us a twitter message just make sure that we find you and we can meet you and Hope look forward to seeing some of you at the World Pork Expo.
0: That's right. It's always a lot of fun there. Uh, you know, as Cindy Cunningham mentioned last week, all sorts of delicious uh, pork, mm-hmm. pork flavors from around the globe. Your chance to yep. eat pork tongue at the hospitality tent. Don't pass up that opportunity.
2: I'm a little nervous about that.
0: Well, you know, I'm nervous, but I figure that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger.
2: All right, that's a good good motto to have. There
0: used to be a restaurant in Creston, uh, Creston, Iowa, and I'm blanking on the name of it. If any of our listeners remember, uh, shoot me a message. But uh, they, for years and years and years, served a cow brain sandwich.
2: Ooh.
0: It was cow brain. They discontinued it, I believe, after the uh, mad cow scare. Uh, bovine, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Cephalopathy, because it was uh, in the nerve tissues. But um, yeah. My dad always loved it. I don't remember. I think I Mm. took a bite once. But, uh, yeah, Dad, that's, yeah, he'd order it quite a bit when we'd go in there. The Mm CMW Cafe, the, anyway. But, Delaney, you know, we were talking before the break about sugar, about how you and I really don't know a whole lot about how it works. Yeah. Um, Twitter, or excuse me, blah. Sugar is traded on the futures market, and each contract is 112,000 pounds or 50 long tons, which are, uh, Metric tons, I believe, twenty two hundred pounds. Is that math right?
2: So they're, so they're getting twenty seven dollars for one hundred and twelve thousand pounds.
0: For one pound.
2: Oh, okay.
0: But like when you buy the contract, and I was looking at sugar prices. So you would take, let's see here, let's look at October sugar. Right now is trading at fourteen sixteen. So fourteen point no. Fourteen cents and sixteen tenths of a cent per pound. So you take that times one hundred and twelve thousand pounds. Okay. I think if we have any sugar traders listening, let us know if we're doing our math incorrectly. We'd uh, actually that's <laughs> something we ought to we ought to get to figure out. Yeah. On. Yeah, yeah, I think so. All right, folks. Well, all of that being said, be sure to check out our website at agnewsdaily.com. Log into iTunes, rate and review us. Do subscribe while you're there. And uh, find us on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search for Agnews Daily in both places. Anything else I'm forgetting, Delaney?
2: No, I don't think so, Mike. Should we let the people go?
0: Let's let them go.